Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Adjusting to Life podcast, where inspiration comes to life. I'm your host, Dr. Lorona Gore, and today I'm having a conversation with Dr. Joyce Goss, a native of North Carolina, a proud mother of four and nine grandchildren. She is an ordained minister of the Fire Baptized Holiness Church of God of the Americas and is very active in her local church, Holy Bethel Fire Baptized Holiness Church. Dr. Goss, welcome to the show. Thank you. How are you doing today? I'm doing great and blessed. How about you? I am doing well. So 37 years ago, you were diagnosed with throat cancer and to date you are still cancer free. Correct. That is a blessing. Your story is a little different from uh, many others due to the fact that you were miraculously healed from cancer. So if you could take us back to that time and let us know what was life like for you prior to your diagnosis and take us from there. Well, prior to my diagnosis, which I, I never thought that number one, that I would wind up being diagnosed because mm-hmm. I always thought, because I didn't smoke, didn't drink, there was no need. It's just the last thing was on my mind. And mm-hmm. from the beginning, I was called into ministry to preach the gospel. And mm-hmm. that was something that I didn't want to do. And I did just didn't want to preach. There were mm-hmm. people that didn't believe in female preachers and it was fine with me because I didn't ask to preach. But God saw something in me that I didn't see in me. And at that time, I was not walking in the closeness that I am today with God. And I felt like if further if I go out in the world, the less God would bother me concerning preaching. But mm-hmm. God put me in a position where that I would know, to be still, know that he was God. And when I first got diagnosed, I went to the doctor because the Lord sent me to go and get a checkup. And when I went, I went to ear, nose, and throat. They couldn't find nothing. And so I said, they said, why are you here? I said, well, the Lord told me to come. And I can imagine, you know, it sounded crazy to them because of the way they were looking at me. But that was how uh, my beginning started. So I proceeded to follow what God told me. So you didn't have, you weren't having any symptoms. You just said the Lord told you to go to the doctor for a checkup. Okay. Okay. Mm -hmm. That was strange to me. Mm-hmm. In most <laughs> cases, you I do obeyed. have a symptom. <laughs> yeah. And when after a series of tests and they finally stuck a needle in my throat, they done a, and pulled some fluid and they tested and whatnot. But when they told me that, I was standing up in the office not expecting that. And immediately I lost it. I just fell out of the flow mm-hmm. and hollered and cried. And I couldn't believe what they had said to me. And I was by myself. Mm -hmm. So I went into a panic attack. Right. So how did your diagnosis affect your family when when they found out? Or who did you tell first? Well, I wanted to tell my mom, but the Lord fixed it for my mom was in Washington, D.C. Because my mom always prayed for me. So I wanted to go across Mm -hmm. the street to my Aunt Mary, but the Lord wouldn't let me go to my Aunt Mary. I had to pray. Mm-hmm. For the first time, probably, was the realest prayer I had ever prayed in my life because I was dealing with something I didn't know what to do, where to go, and how to begin. And now how I wind up. I wound up uh, going back to the doctor, and the Lord told me, he said, it's your time to pray. Seek mm-hmm. my faith. Mm-hmm. And that's when I really learned how to pray. There mm-hmm. I was, not living the best that I could have lived, but it was my turning around in my in my religion, in my faith. 
I had to pray. God wanted to hear from me. Okay. So during this time, were you already preaching or you were, you felt you had a call in your life, but you weren't really going in that direction? I knew. The- I knew, but I didn't want to preach, but I didn't want nobody else to know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was running. And then you got the, so was it that diagnosis that um, kind of changed your your mindset in regards to preaching the gospel? It changed my mindset. The mm. Lord told me I was mm. not going to die, but I was going mm. to preach the gospel. Wow. So immediately in my mind, I thought, I'm going to live to get an old woman because <laughs> I'm not preaching to the just the full time. Mm-hmm. that I'm getting ready to exit out of this world. I thought that mm-hmm. was the way it was going to work, but it's not the mm-hmm. case. So when you were diagnosed, uh, what happened? So you went to the doctor and um, again, you got the confirmation that you were, that you did have cancer. What happened? Right. I then, um, like I said, I went back and forth to the doctor Mm-hmm. And I said to myself, it is time for my life to change. And at that time, we had what we called prayer band. We went okay. from house to house on Monday nights for service. And I started feeling myself getting sick. And I couldn't seem to stop the sickness from coming. I'm getting weak and all of that. And I had to make up my mind whether I want to live or whether I wanted to die. And that's what turned my life around for my prayer life. And I learned how to seek God. And I would fall in the closet and I would cry out to God. You know, at first you go in that pity mode. Why me? Mm-hmm. But then I got confirmation when God said I won't go die. I, the way I thought it was going to be was not the way it happened. But we were going to a Monday night prayer band and I was just before having to have surgery. And I had went to Brunswick to get, um, you know, how they do the pre-op and stuff. And I had a little band on my arm. They done my blood work and scan to get, have surgery on my throat. Okay. And this particular night, I was sick and tired and tired and sick and sick and tired. And I was going to Sister Rudy Augusta's house in Ash. And I made up my mind after fighting and struggling with that and with whether I wanted to preach or not, I made up my mind that I wanted to live. And we was going to prayer band to her house that night. I picked up the phone and I called her. I said, Miss Rudell, I said, when we come to prayer band tonight, I'm in expectation of a move from God. I said, and I need a healing. I said, and I made up my mind and I told God, I'm not leaving your house until the Lord heals me. So I this said, is, if you don't heal me, you got an overnight guest. I said, I can't leave until so this God is, heals me. This was prior to your your surgery. So you, you got the diagnosis. You had the PET scan. Um, what stage was the cancer? I can't remember now. Okay. Or how many, so when you were diagnosed, how many weeks was it before, between the time you were diagnosed and you went to the prayer bed? It was about three to four weeks. Okay, okay. But when I left my house that night to go to prayer band, mm-hmm. I was feeling real sick. 
but I was determined I was going to drag into the prayer band. So we got to prayer band, and it was in the praise and worship, and it seemed like I got sicker and sicker. And I had to go outside because I felt like all my insides were getting ready to come up. I got nauseated, and I went outside, and I stayed out there and in the dark, and I was throwing up, and I didn't know what to expect. And it was seemed like to me that was my worst day of being sick. And I said, this has got to be my healing because I've never felt like what I'm feeling now. And in the process of throwing up, I started choking. And it felt like a big ball, a big mass was coming from my stomach all the way up to my esophagus and got in my throat. And I felt like I was choking and I was gagging and sweating. And immediately I heard something say, Ploop! and when I threw up, I stopped. And like I throwed up this big lump of something that had clogged up in my throat. And when I got myself together and I creeped back inside of prayer band, Reverend Dennis Frank was the speaker for that night. And everybody was looking at me and I didn't know why they were looking at me. And he said to me, Reverend Frank said to me, he said, you look like somebody poured a bottle of olive oil all mm -hmm. over you because your face is shining and glowing. And that's when I realized what had transferred on the outside, that God was delivering me mm -hmm. from the cancer. Mm -hmm. And when the next morning, I, at 6 o'clock in the morning, I was scheduled to be at the hospital. And the Lord told me that Monday night, he said, I just healed you. But I still went to my appointment, and I went mm -hmm. there with the Bible in my hand. And as I was sitting in there, I said, God, how is the doctor going to know that I'm healed? Because I'm scheduled and I'm already dressed and I'm laying in the bed. And around about that time, the doctor said, let's just run one more x-ray before we take her in. Mm -hmm. And when they ran the x-ray, I saw the doctor scratching his head. <laughs> I started getting some relief. I said, because obviously he's seeing something he didn't see before. So he called some other doctors in and they were about five or maybe six. And uh, they was looking at my old x-ray and mm -hmm. comparing it to the one they just ran. And I was still laying on the table. And they kept talking to each other. I don't know what the conversation was, but I can imagine it was because of what they saw on there. And they said, we don't understand. They were talking. And I knew then that God had manifested himself. Mm -hmm. And I started telling God, I said, God, if you get me up off this bed and get me out of here, I will go and preach. Mm -hmm. And the doctor says, I don't understand. And God was telling me, he said, I just healed you. Go and preach the gospel. Mm. Wow. And I was laying on the bed and the doctor didn't want to admit that he couldn't find the cancer. So they kept mm -hmm. talking. He said, I don't understand. He was scratching his head, said, I don't see nothing. But I was waiting for the confirmation for him to call my name and tell me what he didn't see. Because, right. you know, so right. that he would know that there's a God that yes. sits high yes. and looks low. Yes. And about that time, he finally told me, he released me, but he was still puzzled. And I told God, if you just get me off there, then I'll tell mm -hmm. it everywhere I go. I mm -hmm. went immediately to Brunswick Electric Membership Corporation because I went to work. 
And I thought I could sit down and work, but I couldn't work because I was too busy praising God for what he just done. Right. I had right. never seen a miracle like that in my life. Right. And I said, God, if you get me off the job, I'll go tell what you just done for me. God got me off the job. He sent me to people's homes to testify and minister. And as I went to their homes, the people were sick where he sent me. Only thing mm -hmm. I did was walk in the door and start testifying. And the people were getting uh -huh. healed. And I said, God, if you just get me <laughs> where I need to be in you, yes. I'll preach the gospel. And the Lord said, you will not die, but you will preach. So rolling a further along, I ran. I had good intentions. I ran seven years before I finally decided to preach. But God reminded me. And I stopped running. And I yield to God. I would go back for my appointments. And my doctor, he finally, Dr. Garrett, at that time was a doctor come out of Wilmington. I don't even know if he's living now or not. And Dr. Dees that came from Washington, D.C. And the doctor called me. He says, Miss Goss? I said, yes. He said, Miss Joyce Goss? I said, yes. He said, I don't understand. I didn't say nothing. He called me the second time. He says, Miss Joyce? I said, yes. Miss Joyce Goss? I said, yes. He said, we can't find it. And I still didn't say nothing. He said it the third time. He said, Miss Joyce Goss? I said, yes, sir. He says, the cancer is gone. And when he said that, I got up out of my seat. I gave God the best praise that I could ever give him. So was this, again, um, when you had the surgery, or just at another appointment when this happened? No, he called me on my job because he didn't want to admit in the uh, hospital Okay. that the cancer was gone. He was going around and he don't understand. He released me, but he didn't want to acknowledge the fact because it was not the medicine they gave me because I never took it. Mm -hmm. Wow. And that's why I was healed. And he had to admit. He said, I don't know who this is that you serve, but I'd like to get to know whoever this is that was of higher power. Because before I left the hospital, I wound up talking about Jesus laying on the bed. Mm -hmm. I knew it had to be God. Nobody else could do this type of miracle. Right. So I know you said in the beginning you were shaking when you got the diagnosis. And then now you know that you know that you know that, you've been, that God healed you. Yes, ma'am. How did that impact your faith? moving forward very much so it made me who I am I count it a privilege because God allowed me to know you weren't all that good but I spared you for ministry mm -hmm. before I was even born in my mother's womb he said I had work for you right So to someone who's been diagnosed with cancer or another type of life altering health condition, and they're probably feeling like God is punishing them or that is unfair, what would you what would you say to them? 
I would say to them to trust the process. If you don't know God, get to know God. Because he says all these that I hold in my hand, no devils in hell will be able to pluck them out. Everything is not the enemy. Sometimes God suffers things to be so, to get us to a place where we need to be for ministry or for his kingdom building. Mm -hmm. Trust God. Take him at his word. He is a healer yes, because right. I was not living to the best that I could live, but he healed mm -hmm. me anyway. Right. What is your favorite scripture? Isaiah 61. And why is it? Because God has anointed me to preach the gospel, to bring yes, preach good yes. times to the meek and the poor. Yes. So would you say that... Um, after you got that diagnosis, it pretty much changed or the trajectory of your life and where what you were doing prior to, it definitely changed. It changed my life. I'm too afraid to look back and go back now because I'm afraid if I go back, I won't make it out. Right, right. I received I a, that a privilege. I don't take that lightly. Yeah. I received a notice in the mail the other day that stated that. Uh, there's studies that show that one out of every three people will be diagnosed with cancer in their lifetime. What are your thoughts on that? On that one out of every three people? They say one out, of, one out of every three people will be diagnosed with cancer in their lifetime. I say God holds that. It depends on your faith. Mm -hmm. That's man's theology, but is it God's theology? I Amen. trust the process of God. Amen. If he can bring me from the outhouse to the inhouse, then I know he can bring me from the pit to the palace. Yes, absolutely. So what's a typical day like for you? I know you what's are... Typical day? I get up, mm -hmm. saying good morning, Jesus. I reference him. And I command my day. Now, when you say command your day, explain. When I command my day, I say, me and, there's nothing going to happen today that me and Jesus can't handle. Because I am the king's kid. I trust God in the process. Mm -hmm. I speak, the scripture says, speak those things that are not as though they already mm -hmm. are. So Absolutely. I like to call in my day. Okay, we're not going to have a bad day today. I'm determined we're going to have a good day. Because power, life, and death lies in the tongue. Amen. And I have to agree, I've been knowing you for years. Um, and I have to say, when I think about you and my memory of you, I've always seen you in a happy state. Um, the way you interact with people, you're always um, very positive. Um, and that's just how I've, I've known you all these years to be that way. Um, but I did not know your testimony, but I, I believe that, um, now I can see that that has, um, definitely played a role in why you are the way you are. You love God, you love people, you're compassionate about, um, living for the Lord and it just doesn't get better than that. And I just want you to know, I appreciate you and the work that you are doing and continue to do. Thank you. So if um, 
for someone who is, they're just diagnosed with cancer um, and they're in that state where you're feeling like, you know, you're afraid pretty much. What would you say to them? Because I know you went through that period, but kind of walk them through what they need, what they should do. I would recommend that they hang with, be around people that speak positive and not negative because they need that vibe. When you're going through and you don't know what to do, everybody's not going to be for you. And a lot of times you start out telling people to pray for me, but you find out that the people are praying against you. And people are literally waiting for you to die because I went through that. But I tell people you build up your Christian foundation because you're going to need it. Mm-hmm. You're going to need the support. And positive people is what bring you through. Prayer for people. People that got a strong prayer life, that's who you need to hang around. Mm-hmm. And I always say when we relay for life, we are sisters and brothers. We encourage each other because we're a family. Right. So do you think that, um, so having a strong support group is important? It's very important, especially your family. Mm-hmm. You need that inner circle. It's okay to be afraid, but don't let the fear overtake you where you can't trust God. Right. Because it's, it's normal to feel that way, particularly in the beginning. Right. But at at some point, you have to you you have to um, be encouraged in your faith, because if you continue to walk in fear, everything that you fearful of, you'll find it come to pass. Right. And they basically just unhealthy in general. It'll take you out faster when you mm-hmm. fit in with the fear. Mm-hmm. And I've had conversations with doctors and uh, colleagues and, and have discussions about people who are, are, who are sick and those who have a positive mindset, they tend to do better than those who, who do not. I'm not saying that it's, um, you know, it, it's, it's normal to be fearful when you get such a diagnosis, but again, it's not the end of the world. And that's when you have to be, again, also have to encourage yourself. And yeah. I remember you stated that um, in the beginning, you were asking other people to pray for you, but you realized that God wanted you, needed you to pray. And it's right. so important that, you know, we reach out to God ourselves, you know, and I think that's how we build our, that relationship with God. Right. What's next for you? What's on your to-do list in life? I know you're in full-time ministry, but what are your aspirations? What do you see yourself doing next? I see myself helping, like I said, because that's my motto. I see myself helping people to get from the pit. There are a lot of people that are stressing. There are a lot of people that's going through suicidal. And I see myself being a partaker of helping to save lives through and by the power of God. First, through salvation. That's the key. Now, for those who are listening who may not be familiar with the the pit to the palace scenario, kind of talk about that for a minute. I call from the pit people that are out in the street. They're homeless. They're, they don't know anything about God. They are not 
loved. They're like rejects. Um, they don't have the family love. And it starts at home. And they've been church hurt, family hurt. The people that, because I deal with the prison in the street, there are people that are in the prisons that really need love shown to them. Uh, I find myself, because that is my calling, I thank God for the testimonies of the prison, the people that have got saved, because everything is not like people think it is, peaches and cream, and they need love. Love is what heals and what delivers and what sets free. Yes. And there's some want a better life, but the but people won't give them that opportunity to better themselves and job-wise. And I see myself in that area, suicide-minded people. I see myself with the power of God because that's where he placed me. My ministry deals with healing and hurting men and women. And I'm driven with it with a passion. I love the streets. I like the prison ministry. And now, as a matter of fact, I'm, I'm hoping to become a chaplain in the prison. Okay. Because that's, that's who I am. Mm-hmm. And when you and, say healing, there's more than one type of healing. Often cases we think about just physical, but there's also the mental and the spiritual. Right. They incorporated all of that. Right, because you've got to nurture them first before you get them to the building. Right, right. Because they got to have confidence in you. They got to feel your love. Right. Not you talking about it, but they need to feel your love for them to first even have confidence in you. Mm-hmm. The nurturing. Right. So you take them from the home, and eventually they graduate to go to the church building. Because I have, I have. Because God told me to build a prayer room, and I have a prayer room in my house where people that want to come for prayer, they come in and out, and no one knows, no one knows that they've been here unless they tell it. Mm. So if they when feel the need of prayer and they call, I make sure that there's nobody buttoning to each other coming and going. Okay. And you do that because? Because God told me to, and I love it. Well, that takes care of that. Um, so when it comes to supernatural healing, why do you think that we don't see more of that, more than we do? Well, a lot of people want to be gifted and anointed, but they don't want to go through the process and what it takes to get there. Mm-hmm. Some people it's out for the name. It's not about the name. It's not even really about the person God used. It's about him. Right. But you got to be willing to yield yourself to God and not take his glory. Right. It's a price to pay for the anointing. It's a price to pay and the need is so great for, uh, I think, for people to share their testimony. Because people, the Bible says we're overcome by our testimony. Um, yeah. People, I believe, hearing your testimony, um, hearing mine, those who listen to this podcast, I think they'll be blessed because they need to know that God is still, he's still doing it. You know, um, He's still healing. He's still healing, and he does it different ways. It's not always just, sometimes he does it on the front end where, like with you, it was, it was supernaturally. 
Um, and some with others, they take them through, they go through the yeah. treatment. And, but in the end, I believe that uh, through the process and everybody I've interviewed, um, they always come back to the same thing. And it's, you know, my faith is stronger. My relationship with God is stronger. I see life through a different lens now than I did before. And I think um, to me, that's a blessing in um, going through the process. If you get a bad diagnosis and it's not the end of the world, it's like what you get from it is a closer relationship with God. If that's the payoff, it, it's worth it in my opinion, or it was for me. You never know that God's a healer if somebody never gets sick. Amen. That is true. That is true. But you know, um, but that's something that we always uh, try to stray away from because we don't want to get sick. Would you agree? True. But we say we trust God. And that's where the test comes in. That's where the test comes in because Jesus was tested. We have to go back to the scripture and remember a lot of people quote the scripture, but is the scripture living in your life? Mm -hmm. And he already said there are many are the afflictions of the righteous. So I had to look at it like count it a privilege that God saw something in me that he could use. In other words, really I was built for this because God had been building me all the time. We just didn't see it. Right. Well, I could talk to you all day, <laughs> but we have to bring this to a close. Um, is there anything that you want to say? Um, any last words? I would, I would like to say this, that when we line up with God's will, even though we go through sickness, or whatever we might go through, when we line up with God's will, we'll find out it wasn't as hard as we thought it was because he says he's walking right beside us. Yes. And God will not allow you to go through anything that he didn't have a way of escape for you to come out. Trust the process. Trust the process. I like that. I like that. So where can people go to find out about, find out more about your ministry? Um, well, they can call me or they can um, inquire. And there are a lot of people that know about my ministry by the word, by being around it and seeing actually signs, miracles, and wonders. Okay. We have um, young ladies and guys sometimes when we have conferences, they come in, they give their testimony mm -hmm. of how God worked things out for them in the ministry and also in some of the um especially in Wyber Detention Center um I, where I did most of my prison ministry at um, mm -hmm. um they know me okay okay awesome 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 work you're doing and I thank again I thank God for you um thank you for joining me today and sharing your testimony of God's supernatural healing and how he's continuing to change lives um, through your ministry. And we praise God for you. You're certainly welcome.
Well, this concludes the show for today. It has indeed been inspirational. Please be sure to subscribe and stay tuned for the upcoming episode for another inspirational interview. If you or someone you know has been diagnosed with a life-altering health condition and is in need of mental, emotional, and spiritual support, please visit ljgm.org to find out more about the Lorraine Johnson Ministry Support Group, Miracles in Motion. The support you need is just a click or call away. We have an amazing team waiting to support you. Until the next time, be encouraged and never stop believing and just know that you are not alone.